It's Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve. And joining me, uh, he's got a catchphrase now. It's Jake. I'm Jake. Look at that. That's gold. Print that on a fucking t-shirt, man. That's how Ah. we're going to get rich off this whole podcasting thing. Jake Trapila branded t-shirts. That's right. Walking down the street. I'm Jake. (laughs) It's the new sensation sweeping the nation. Everyone (laughs) wants to be Jake. See, it's great. It's like the the whole body by Jake uh, craze coming back uh, 25 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also joining us, uh, Myros. Myros, you got a catchphrase you've been working on? Uh, No, I'm not that marketable, I got to say. No, you really really aren't. There's not a lot of, you're kind of like, you're you're a pet rock without branding, to be honest. Uh, Very true. I I was thinking of a shirt for you, though. I actually, uh, it it was on the Nordstrom Rack website. Uh, Someone sent it to me, but... It's a it's a Burberry shirt, designer oh, brand. Hell, that's a that's a fine pattern. Uh, you know. Yeah, see, see, uh, but the the Burberry pattern isn't on there though. Unfortunately, it's a it's a plain black t shirt, and it's got uh, in the titty area. It's got it's a men's t shirt. It's got the the like two circular cutouts for your your masculine pecs, uh, and then there's a, a another hole perfect circle hole cut in the uh, center of the back of the t-shirt and it's $230 for that. So, <laughs> what, do, what do you uh, think well, about you know that? How like, fond I am of, of t-shirts in general, especially ones that have uh, been pre-damaged. Yeah. Titty holes. I know that's, I, I, that's pretty cool though. Like imagine, um, you know, you're, you're breaking the quarantine, you're going to a big family gathering and not only are you just basking in the super spreader event, but you got your titties hanging out. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I mean, you might as well, right? Yeah, at that point, right? You got to send the right message. Yeah, like, like let's say, let's say you, you got the titties out, um, man or woman, it really doesn't matter. Uh, you just you're just putting you're putting people in an uncomfortable position. I'm guessing well, no one's going to want to come within six feet. You know, it's 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 yeah. available for all sexes. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's truly like gender neutral, and you can repel your relatives. No one's gonna want to be around you. So just just an idea, just throwing it out there. And I know since we're we're making that big fat podcast cash these days, uh, seems like it's probably within your budget, right? Uh yeah. I mean, it, I I don't know how to feel about this opening. You just uh, <laughs> you called me like dense as a rock. You alluded to my my uh, man tits, and and then you just called uh, my my presence here part of a big fat podcast. I I just feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is for all titties. Like the the titties that are presented in the actual Burberry T-shirt thing on Nordstrom Rack, they're very like rock solid titties. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger in twins uh, titties when he gets well, the gas station T-shirt. Unfortunately, I'm a little closer to the Devito physique. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could work on that. You know, we'll just uh, it's fine. You got plenty of time. None of us can really work as much as we want. We're all trapped at home. Uh, it's a good time to get some rock hard titties. Anyways, uh, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger inside of a convenience store in Twins, uh, what are we talking about this week, Myros? Uh, for some reason, we're talking about uh, Ivan Reitman's Twins. That's right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, born to be bad. And Danny DeVito. Way to go, Mom. Are twins. My name is Julius. I'm your twin brother. Obviously. The moment I sat down, I thought I was looking into a mirror. Only their mother can tell them apart. Twins, the new comedy from Ivan Reitman. That's right. It's a new comedy from Ivan Reitman. You know, here's why we're talking about this. Uh, one, we are constantly just scrambling for ideas because we're very professional. And two, uh, Shout Factory just put out a special edition, uh, Bless Their Souls, because this is a movie that has been wronged for many years. And I can speak, I have got firsthand knowledge of how this movie has been wronged in uh, the home video sphere, because about 10 years ago, my brother for Christmas, uh, he got me a copy of Twins, 
and it was a pan and scan DVD that looked like absolute dog shit, and he got it at the dollar store. So that that's the kind of physical media we were dealing with before uh, Shout Factory heroically came and, and and just rescued this movie from oblivion. So I mean, let's be honest, this movie deserves a pan and scan. <laughs> <treatment>. <laughs> I don't think it really would make much of a difference. It's not. <laughs> It's a lot of things, but expertly directed and shot, maybe not, maybe not. I don't think it does anything particularly offensive, but that's kind of the beauty of this movie, right? Is like, I I don't know, there's certainly not a lot of jokes. There's not a ton going on. Well, no, that's not true. There's probably too much going on, but there's not a lot of funny stuff going on. But it's just... It's just charming. It just kind of floats along. It's the perfect thing to just have on in the background on like a Sunday afternoon. It's really beautiful, honestly. Yeah, if I were like uh, programming uh, blocks for fucking FX or something and I I wanted something for the three to five on Saturday block, this is perfect. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, just pop it on Comedy Central or something. Well, I shouldn't say that there's no jokes at all because... It's really just about our it's it's like anytime Arnold is funny. Sometimes they give him actual jokes and, and setups and shit, but mostly it's just it's funny when he says stuff. Like me singing uh the Yakety Yak song, not funny. Arnold doing it. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrap that kitchen floor. You ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. Like that? How is that not funny all the time? It's it's beautiful. And then you you kind of so combine funny. We that. hear it again later <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> you do it multiple times if it works. And then you kind of like pair that with the goofy visual of Arnold Schwarzenegger wearing like a sport coat and and these fucking goofy ass shorts. Yeah, with white socks that are like scrunched down for no. I, I don't really understand. It seems like he was raised in this like sort of cultural utopia and taught all the finest things which yeah which you would think would include things like dance and uh, uh how to dress Basic oneself fashion. but apparently not i don't know no all, all he did was he's like oh i you know i read lots of uh books and blah 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 you know, he's like oh you know literature that was my thing and but he says that multiple times but i don't think he ever says anything that like indicates that he really has that firm of a grasp on like literature or culture or anything like that he's just sort of you know he studied like Krav Maga or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's great stuff. Now, I love the story of this movie because it's, for some reason in my head, like I didn't think it was this complicated, but it's stunning how fucking stupid this movie is and how convoluted it gets. So I guess, Jake, try to give me, what is the Cliff Snow's version? What the fuck is Twins about? Okay, wow. So, a uh, <laughs> long time ago, uh, just 35 years or so before the film takes place, there was this genetics experiment where six men, uh, DNA from six men was pulled together to basically produce the like what would be the perfect offspring with this one woman who would give birth to this baby that would, I guess, technically be perfect. They say he's, like, intellectually, physically, and spiritually a perfect being. Uh, but in the process of the uh, pregnancy, uh, the zygote splits, resulting in a twin. And because uh, the baby that would grow to be Arnold Schwarzenegger got the bulk of the good genes, uh, the other one became the shitty counterpart of Danny DeVito. Uh, and then Danny DeVito is dumped in an orphanage and Arnold Schwarzenegger grows up on an island like 27 miles off the coast of Fiji or something. And then he finally learns about his brother. So he goes to L.A. to reunite with his brother and uh, hilarity ensues, I guess you could say. Oh. That's yeah, that's it. And then the, and then the whole thing is just about how. Arnold is like this fish out of water in society. He's kind of just acclimating to people while also reuniting with his brother and not knowing what a real piece of shit his brother is because he's like owes money to mobsters and he steals cars Mm. to make his earnings and he sleeps around with married women. So, yeah. So the the weird thing is like you would think this would involve... I, I guess you could maybe pull this off. I, I don't know. I feel like somewhere in some draft of this fucking script, it, it must have mentioned uh, Nazi expatriates. But um, 
I feel like you you might even get away with this, except it's so reliant on this bullshit like twin magic nonsense. Like mm. Arnold doesn't research where Danny DeVito is at any given point. He just finds him because they're connected because they're twins. It's just like fucking write a solution to this problem, not just like oh, I feel him. <laughs> well, we were having this conversation before we started recording, and I ask you, Steve, is Ivan Reitman a good director? I mean, I'm inclined to say yes, just because I'm familiar enough with the stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. And I guess if I think about what he's directed, I mean, yeah, there's there's plenty of movies where I'm like, oh, yeah, that it's good. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, he made, yeah. he made kindergarten cop. That's a stone cold classic. Uh, stripes is pretty fine. Uh, ghostbusters. Good one. How many, how many bad movies could he have made? Jake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I feel like I'm uh, setting myself up here. No, we we were because we were looking at his filmography, and oh no, I mean a lot of his a lot of his films are really just uh, just concepts. They're very high concept comedies. He just seems to cast a, a leading man like Bill Murray or Arnold who will carry the bulk of that concept for him, and he just kind of kicks his feet up and coasts through the production, just kind of point and shoot wherever his stars are standing, and that's that's really the directorial style of. Uh, of Ivan Reitman. And then when you do it with uh, later films in his career, such as uh, shooting Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher in No Strings Attached, uh, you have career death. Yeah. I yeah, I think it that. really fell apart when he tried to, like, recapture the Ghostbusters with evolution without... Uh, yeah, he didn't have Bill Murray working for him at that time. And and I look at his resume, and I, I don't like a lot of his even classic films, really, I guess... Wait a second. Uh, are you are you going to hate on Legal Eagles with Robert fucking Redford? I, I can't damn say Oscar, I've man. ever had the pleasure, honestly. But I, I've <laughs> never been fond of like the Stripes Meatballs era stuff. But I mean, Ghostbusters is obviously works. I, I'm of the age that it's almost impossible for me to not like that movie. But it's also, you got to wonder how much Ramus had to do with the hats because he's a far better comedy director. Uh, Kindergarten Cops, one I, I would have to... Uh, agree with although again it's not a, an especially well-made film it's just uh it's a much better script than we have here with twins and it, arnold is at the top of his comedy game but no i don't know like i i guess you're probably right like i'm looking at some of this shit that he's done and this is this is pretty fucking bleak man like oh boy um let's go through a few of these my super ex-girlfriend, no thanks. Evolution, eh, it's got some defenders, but no thanks. Six days, seven nights, no. Junior, I haven't seen that in about 20 years. It's real. Uh-oh. It makes Twins seem like the greatest movie ever made, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, there's, there's Dave. How about Dave, guys? We all we all love Dave. My favorite president movie. Um, that's, that's something. Uh, yeah, this is rough. There's really not a lot here. Uh, Kindergarten Cop, great. Ghostbusters 2, fine. Twins, I like, okay. Uh, Legal Eagles actually sucks ass, I'm sorry. Ghostbusters, <laughs> good. Stripes, fine. Meatballs, fine. So, yeah, it's like, even his highest highs, like like you said, like Ghostbusters, th- there's really nothing else that he's done that's, like, on that level at all. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I it's hard to, like- I don't know totally besmirch him i mean that's a fine that's a fine body of work for a comedy director it's just that ivan reitman is is one that is cited as like the comedy directors you know he's sure he's royalty in in comedy circles and to me i look at this and i go why (laughs) (laughs) most of these movies are not good at all can we talk about his pre-comedy work though because he made a movie in 1973 so, uh, you know, his uh, his springboard that led him to meatballs. Uh, it's called Cannibal Girls. It seems to be like a horror slash exploitation film about, you know, the, the titular cannibal girls. And it stars Eugene motherfucking Levy. That's weird. Wow. 
yeah. uh, bizarre. Put that <laughs> on my watch list. <laughs> Do you think like is is Eugene Levy a bad guy? Is he a is he a sexy man? I who can say? Was Eugene Levy ever sexy in his life? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's something. We'll we'll save that for a future episode. Call up Sean Glenn. The threat of the fucking twins sequel still hangs out there as well. Where the the triplets with Eddie Murphy as the third twin is is still hanging out there in pre-production. I must assume it could not possibly ever get made. DeVito is constantly talking about triplets. I've read like (laughs) multiple interviews with him where he's mentioned it. Yeah, I I feel like I've been hearing about triplets, the threat of triplets for over a decade now. It's crazy. It can't happen. Arnold and DeVito are both, like, fucking could be dead any day, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. They can't make this fucking movie. (laughs) Well, you know, we kind of mentioned that the script is a little uh, shaky, if we're being kind to it. And then (laughs) basically the whole movie hinges on the fact that it's, it's Arnold and it's DeVito, and those are two naturally funny people. Like, Arnold has great comedic timing and he's just a naturally funny guy and he understands what's goofy about him and i don't think he takes himself too seriously uh plus I, i'm pretty sure he like trained with milton burl for a while uh before he started doing comedic roles so he's got some chops and they they pretty much carry this whole thing but would this surprise you myros if i told you that according to the writers of twins who have worked on some other projects together they actually came up with this idea in a bathroom because they had pitched something else to a studio executive for a different like for a different project and the guy totally shot it down and was like what else do you got for me and this is what they came up with <laughs> so did they like just sign the contract on a napkin that they had to like i agreed we'll do this <laughs> great like, this they, sounds like good the idea was it. so golden they had they got a greenlit instantly I love it. There's a little guy and a big guy. Why not just make that <laughs> They're movie? They're twin though? brothers. <laughs> sure, make them twin brothers. Why is all this other horse shit in here? I don't need to know That's about the, the, the crazed Nazi experiments that were done to fucking formulate these twin oh, brothers. This is my favorite eugenics <laughs> comedy of all time. Do you think this is like really high on Movie Bob's fucking favorite films? <laughs> Number one eugenics comedy. Um, it's just flat well, out maniacal. Uh, and also it doesn't have any like uh, for as much as it wants to talk about genetics. It, it, what is the concept here that like six men ejaculated into a, a cup and therefore <laughs> and therefore these twins have six fathers. I don't think that's how it works. Ivan Reitman. Yeah, they made a no, big old like cats. cool DNA smoothie. <laughs> There's still one sperm that fucking fertilizes the goddamn <laughs> No, that's how it works, man. You fucking you crank your dick into the the blizzard machine and then you just you dump it on the lady egg and then you make baby. That's that's how it works. It sounds like we're being flippant, but they refer to it throughout the film as a a milkshake for some reason. They call it a milkshake. And that's what they call it. You know what? If I were writing a a film about uh, goofy twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, I don't think I would mention sperm or a milkshake at any fucking point. No. Well, you could basically, you could, you could remove all of the Arnold on an island, whatever stuff, and just have them be like, you take all of that out and the movie still functions Two uh, separated twins who find each other and and go in pursuit of their mother. But no, it's like, there's the harebrained scheme that Danny DeVito gets into where he's like, I don't know, driving around a rocket ship engine in a Cadillac that yes. he's going to sell yeah. to some corporation. There's there's a lot going that on Also here. could very easily be extracted from the film. Even though it's the driving plot, they're on a road trip to deliver some espionage engine that he yeah. has inadvertently stolen from a contract killer. And uh, uh, what the fuck? What, why? Why is well, that this yeah. here? It's because all of the, I mean, there's not a lot of jokes. There's just a few things that we know about these guys. And then in order to drive the plot forward, they just like, well, he steals cars. So why, like, how can we, you know, extend this movie by 30 minutes? Like, well, he steals a car and there's something he's not supposed to have in it. Okay. Like, the whole thing is just completely cut and pasted yeah. together in a real, just profoundly shitty way. Uh, but thank God we had Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito because in interviews, Schwarzenegger and DeVito 
as well as uh, the other two people I'm about to reveal, have all confirmed that what I'm about to tell you is true. But Christopher Lloyd and Hulk Hogan were given Suburban Commando, and the idea was Schwarzenegger and DeVito had their choice between Suburban Commando and Twins. And then Hogan and Christopher Lloyd were going to get whatever they didn't want. So <laughs> they could have been swapped and we would have had the Hulkster and Doc Brown in these roles, uh, which I, I, don't, I don't know if that if that works quite as well. Well, I, I guess it's an interesting thought experiment as to whether Suburban Commando with DeVito and Schwarzenegger is better than the current iteration of twins. I'm not sure. It might be yeah. a better script. It's not a good I, script. It, <laughs> it's a script, though. Uh, yeah, I, I think the answer is whatever movie Arnold and, and Danny DeVito decide to do, that's the one that's going to be better because um, the Hulkster doesn't exactly shine in Suburban Commando. But No. You know, uh, no. Honestly, Christopher Lloyd's all right in it, but he he's, he's dealt a, a pretty rotten hand. Yeah. yeah, and in our it's, previous uh, Suburban Commando, I mean, we do we did mention when we did that, uh, the what was it, Shotgun Wedding with a Commando, also starring Arnold. There is, there are, like, very brief flashes of wit in Suburban Commando, and Arnie would make a much more credible uh, alien cop or whatever the fuck <laughs> that uh, Hulk Hogan is supposed to be than Hulk Hogan is. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess we would have had they would have had Shelley Duvall with them. So, you know, really, <laughs> that's quite the trio. The idea that this was like greenlit without a cast is fucking insane to me. Who would be like, oh, yeah, this script is gold. We got to get it made no matter who stars. it. it's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> It's good stuff, man. It's good. It's good stuff. Well, who am I to say the thing made like a fucking mint? <laughs> Oh yeah, and oh yeah, the studio like they didn't want to pay Arnie his his like usual fee for a movie, so they negotiated him and Devito negotiated so they would get like a profit percentage, and Schwarzenegger negotiated so he would get twenty percent of the profits Jesus. from Twins. So they both did, I think. Yeah, so they both nailed like they they both came home with thirty five million dollars just from doing <laughs> Twins. Yeah, this is, their, is this is their highest grossing film for them personally. Yeah, so yeah, this is I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever made more money on a, a movie. Yeah, like this made more money than Terminator for him personally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant stuff, really. It's thirty five fucking million dollars. God. Oh, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. Like, I, I don't think I would rush out and, and buy this unless you have a particular like nostalgic attachment. And then, yeah, go grab the Shout Factory Blu-ray because it looks better than any yeah. existing home release. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, but it's it's something, man. It's it's good background stuff. There's worse Arnold movies. There's worse DeVito movies. There's worse Reitman movies. It's fine. It's all right. Yep. yep. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to another knee slapping comedy. How's that sound? You guys <laughs> yes. ever seen De Palma's sisters? Sisters. They were once one in body, and perhaps one in mind. Danielle and Dominique. One loving, one hating, one innocent, the other. Where does Danielle end and Dominique begin? That's like the least representative trailer you could possibly cut. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I I tried to put it together the best I could, but yeah, the the trailer's, uh, it's it's very of its time. It's kind of selling something it's not exactly delivering on. But uh, yeah, this uh, this is really an important De Palma movie, if only because... It sort of launched what we conceive of as like what a Brian De Palma movie is. He did a lot of uh, satire and and comedy driven stuff before this, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, he he dropped Sisters in our laps. And I don't I don't think it's by any stretch the best Brian De Palma movie, 
But if you needed to just give someone a like a shorthand Cliff's Notes version of like, okay, this is this is all the Brian De Palma stuff that you, the, the the motifs, the themes, all that stuff. It's all here. Like it's got it's got everything. If you got the Brian De Palma bingo card, you're covering the whole fucking thing up. Um, so yeah, I I haven't seen this one in about ten years, and it looks great. Uh, first time I've seen it in high def, I think, and. It's a lot better than I remember it being, I guess. I, it's just great, yeah. I'd never seen this one. I gotta say, I, it was it was new to me. But uh, that, I'm pretty, I am pretty uh, lax on the Brian De Palma catalog, unfortunately, which is is odd because every time I see one of his movies, I'm like, oh, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, I ought to watch more. But then I instead I'll just watch fucking YouTube or something because I'm a, a piece of shit. Yep, that's pretty yeah. much it. Brian De Palma or Logan Paul, you, the choice is clear, man. You've made it. You've committed. <laughs> Jake, how about you? What was the last time you watched Sisters? I feel like I need to do like a full like De Palma rewatch after watching this because it just kind of sparked my interest in him again. Yeah, it's it, kind of crazy like how formally impressive this is. Movie um, just kind of peeking at his filmography before the show he did he directed six feature films uh from like 1968 to 1972 and then in 1972 he also unleashed sisters it's his seventh movie and he really found his voice here and this is like the brian de palma we know took off because then he's got famine of the paradise and obsession and carry all came out within the span of three years after this but um i had first seen this i think about five years ago and um it was not a very good quality i think it was just a dvd rip um, but, uh, yeah, I watched the shiny new Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, it's gorgeous. And yeah, if this is not my favorite De Palma film, but, uh, it's so much better than I remembered. And I think if you kind of distill down, like you said, Steve, the elements of his filmography to like their basic fundamentals, it's all here. Uh, mm. and it's, it just is great. Yeah. Just make sure you don't watch the 2006 remake. Uh, or the uh, the 2015 Tina Fey Amy Poehler comedy <laughs> that you probably get a little different result then, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, as far as like uh, horror films in his filmography or really just 70 horror 70s horror in general, I cannot recommend this highly enough. If you've got a passing interest in De Palma's work outside of like Carrie or anything, this is good shit. You need to watch this. Uh, and one of the things that makes it so great is. I mean, clearly he's he's playing around with a lot of Hitchcock stuff. We know uh, De Palma loves voyeurism, so you're getting a little bit of rear window here. And uh, there's actually, you know, a, a, there's a scene where we get the classic Brian De Palma split screen where a woman in a different apartment building watches a, a murder kind of unfold. And we're getting the shot from the perspective of the the. Uh, apartment where the murder's taking place and then also her perspective from across the street and it's just it's really cool really effective shit um but De Palma's humor is still here like as grisly as that initial murder is where like a guy just gets stabbed in the fucking face and you get just squirts of that that uh bright red 1970s blood yeah this movie's still really funny. Like the beginning, at least, is the whole peeping Tom show setup for this is fantastic because, you know, throughout this, it's just like voyeurism plays such an important role. And they're so like it's so sinister and, and leering and, and, and all this stuff. But then the movie literally starts with a fucked up game show where they they set up people unsuspecting people into in like peeping tom situations with actresses and then they see how they'll react we it's like oh will he watch the woman take off her bra or will he be a gentleman and leave the room you know and that's how are these two characters um the woman who plays the uh, the the titular sisters and <laughs> Our poor little murder victim, that's how they meet, is on this show. Is he is he's the one who tries he gets set up in on this voyeurism show, Peeping Tom, and she's the actress they hired. And then <laughs> because because they both won, uh, she gets a wonderful cutlery cut cutlery. There we go. That's how you say that word, cutlery set with like a big ass fucking butcher knife, of course. You know, great thing to give a uh, future murderer. 
And then he gets, he's a black guy, and he gets dinner for two at a hot restaurant called The African Room, which is just (laughs) absolute, like, fucking just weird, like, roots-inspired nonsense. And, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's got that, that comedy and that biting social satire that he was doing prior to this, and then you just watch him completely do a Hitchcockian like thriller horror thing and it just feels so natural and none of it feels like a retread like he's totally doing his own thing but it's still this great homage so yeah I'm rambling at this point but it's fucking good it's really good shit oh I was just gonna say like for me it's not quite as successful as his strongest work like stuff like blowout um Mm -hmm. I I didn't get the the tension as thickly as the Palma can certainly pull off, nor did I get the sort of Mm -hmm. thematic consistency you'll see in something like Carrie, but it is still uh, really interestingly filmed, to be sure, and it goes in a direction. Like, for the bulk of the film, I'm kind of going, okay, yeah, he's doing Hitchcock. That's pretty standard. The Palma, obviously, infatuated with Hitchcock, but... uh, Man, it takes a turn, that's for sure. This movie thrives for me in its open and its close. Like the the middle part is is very rear window adjacent. It's is very much doing a Hitchcock thing and not really it never really nailed the suspense perfectly for me. I I was kind of not mm. on the edge of my seat. I was a little bit disengaged, but yeah, the direction this thing goes, very very interesting, very strange. And I I kind of have to parse it a little bit, I think to to kind of figure out exactly what he means, I need to digest this thing for a couple more days, which is always a that's always a positive on my end, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how like the including that opening peeping toms um, segment, which, like the little jokey game show, but like that coupled with the opening credits, which are overlaid over like these uh, X rays of uh, embryo, but. What's mm-hmm. interesting is that you only really see one embryo at a time. It's it's like that in the the peeping tom with the voyeurism and like the the parcel of knives that she wins as a gift. Like the entire film is basically set up in this whole five minutes, which I had not remembered. Um, mm-hmm. Like for some, I forgot all about the opening. I thought it started with them just meeting at the uh, the club, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's great and um, and just. I mean, it's probably just a side effect of us watching all the shit we had to for the last episode. But like the moment that the guy, after being slashed several times, sticks his hand on the window and the split screen immediately starts at the apartment across the street. And we see just like filmed with two simultaneous cameras of the motion of his hand, like wiping his blood across the window. That just like felt like a, a shot in the brain. Like I I love that shit. It's mm-hmm. it's it's superb, and it's like oh, where if I we need to just only watch good movies for this podcast because that was that was like a real <laughs> fat chance, uh, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a it's a shame, but uh, yeah, that was just it was just good stuff. It really hit me this time. Yeah, it's yeah. very assured filmmaking. It's it's impressive stuff. Like I, I it's hard to overstate how well crafted that open is, and. And not just, you know, visually, it's just, it is. The entire film is set up there uh, quite beautifully, quite efficiently. And yeah, this is very strong film. Very strong. I I don't mean to undersell it. I just, uh, Mm. you know, sometimes things click for you a certain way. And this might not have, but nonetheless, I was incredibly impressed with it. And again, it's just this bizarre fucking like mesmerist ending where he's like inserting this other woman into the, the memories of the twins. It's just, it's so interesting and strange. And it's, it's not where you think the film is headed at all. All of a sudden it's just like, okay, this is a little predictable. I bet you there's no twin. I got this thing cracked. And then all of a sudden it's just like, what, what is he doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the kind of twist towards the end where it, it switches from this really beautifully shot 35 millimeter color film to just kind of really grainy fucking weird black and white 16 millimeter. And, and literally like the transition to that 
is the camera just zooming into the protagonist's iris and then we end up in this like the 16 millimeter grainy memory it's it's really incredible stuff it's it's the kind of thing you you just don't see in films ever like movies are made this well sorry that's yeah. <laughs> it's just the long and short uh, of it it's like a really long sequence too and it's just filled with like bizarre imagery like like the conjoined triplets like mm-hmm. tap dancing next to each other and things like that it's yeah it's it's wild well it's a sure to have this bizarre non-ending too where it's just like oh yeah that murder that this movie's about it doesn't matter at all like it's it's irrelevant to the conclusion of the film (laughs) i do love that just that final shot of just that helpless zoom of durning staring at the couch is great he's great (laughs) in this too yep well and that's the thing too is just like going back to the 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 voyeurism thing because really i mean we did sisters because twin cast sure but so much of this movie hinges on the voyeurism stuff and voyeurism in this movie it's it's not only like unhealthy but it's like it's it's kind of we know it is like oh it could be unhealthy it could be kind of perverted and shit but it's it's dangerous and mm-hmm. de palma really drives that home and you know at the end he's just sort of looking at the sofa but no one gives a fuck about the sofa and also it's like if you look at what happened to uh the the woman journalist <laughs> It's like, wow, what happened? Well, she was voyeuristic, and then look at the horrible situation that she, that she ended up in. So yeah, no one gives a fuck about the sofa anymore. The case doesn't matter, and yet he's still sort of obsessed. He has this dangerous obsession with this murder and and what happened. It's it's really great mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I pff, shit, man. If, if you haven't seen Sisters, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Fix it. Go go watch it now. Uh, it's crazy too because he De Palma sort of conceived this. It's such a just a tight movie thematically, and it's it's written really well, um, and it's got mm. this sort of slow build beginning, but it's totally worth it for the payoff. But he got the idea for this movie just because he read uh, like a Life magazine article about uh, uh, Masha and Dasha uh, Krylosipova, uh, who are the hosts of Red Scare. Uh, no, they're uh, the famous times. <laughs> twins uh from from moscow like there's there's a couple like over the the course of the last like 200 years there's a few like super famous ones so uh like the uh like the hilton sisters who were in freaks they're super famous um Mm -hmm. chang and ang who were like the original siamese twins that's where the the phrase comes from which this is fucked up as a brief aside those guys they ended up obviously they were from siam but they moved to America to do like entertainment shit and they ended up settling in North Carolina where they owned a plantation with fucking slaves and they were each married to a different woman and had like a shit ton of children. So yeah, that's kind of wild. I just fuck man. (laughs) (laughs) The original Siamese twins had slaves was not somewhere that I expected to go when I was, uh, you know, looking into some of this stuff, but yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah De Palma was just looking at this photograph of uh these two sisters and he thought it was really weird because in the picture he was looking at one of them looked really happy and the other one looked like just kind of pissed off and he thought it was interesting that's like oh you have these two people but obviously they can be totally totally different um and they got to thinking about like okay well what if you have Siamese twins and uh, one of them commits a murder or something, then how do you put them in prison? Like, how does that work, essentially? Uh, yeah, so it it's amazing that he was able to just build this movie out of one photograph in Life magazine. That's just, that's crazy to me. Uh, but yeah, sisters, it's great. Go go watch it. Yeah, I would agree. And then, yeah, if, after you see that, if I mean, if this is your first De Palma, I mean, he really hones his craft later and like adam mentioned i think i think blowout might be his best film but also like uh, dress to kill is is also fantastic has very much a giallo influence like we see mission in to mars here Sorry. yeah that's, yeah dance <laughs> yeah. the night away i'm actually <laughs> not gonna hate on mission to mars <laughs> mission to mars deserves more love than it gets I'll, I'll say that much all right well how about we uh we talk about something a little more serious how's that sound is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket. What's in the basket? Easter eggs? 
What's in the basket? Clothes. What's in the basket? Nothing. What's in the basket? My brother. What's in the basket? Open it. If you dare. Basket case. I love this movie so much. So, so much. Also, fuck Rudy Giuliani. He really completely ruined Times Square. Uh, it's weird to me that watching this movie, which was shot in uh, in well, what's now Times Square uh, in 1982, like it, it made me nostalgic for something that existed before I was born and that I've never experienced before in my life. It's just amazing. This is one of the grimiest looking movies I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Jake, what 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 is Basket Case? Oh boy, uh, Basket Pit Case <laughs> by the great Frank Henenlotter is the story of uh, two loving brothers. There's Dwayne and Belial. Uh, Belial was separated from Dwayne. They were born conjoined. With Belial was essentially uh, a growth uh, on his side, and he's the uh, he lives in a wicker basket that Dwayne takes with him everywhere. And uh, the two brothers are basically on a, a revenge mission to kill the doctors that separated them at birth. Uh, or really not at birth, in their youth. But uh, yeah, and Belial is a, uh, a crazy mound of flesh that likes to uh, eat and kill people, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. He, also, he also enjoys screaming a lot, which uh, I was watching this movie in the other room <laughs> and my wife asked when it was over. She says, what was that movie called? The Screaming Man? <laughs> oh, he's not a man. He's like a, a ball of flesh that was removed from another man. <laughs> yeah, you should you should have mansplained that to her real good. Uh, I do yeah. love the Belial scream though. Like it just, uh, fuck. Every time he opens his mouth, it's oh! <laughs> <laughs> so his, good. Yeah. His freak out when he smashes up the hotel room is fantastic. I love just the one because it's like a great combo of like uh, stop motion. And just puppetry, but I love just that one wide shot of him slamming the bed up and down <laughs> on the ground. It's yeah, the best stop motion you'll ever see in your life, right there. Oh, hundred percent. That's like <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite memories is years and years and years ago. This must have been shit. We, I don't know. It's probably like fifteen years ago at this point. It was the first time that Myros and I watched this movie, and we watched it together. We were like sitting on the couch. Drinking beer, watching this movie, and so far it's like, oh, this is this is fun, this is a good movie. And then the thing that really takes it over the top is that scene. Like, I don't think I've ever laughed harder <laughs> at a stop motion scene <laughs> because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I, I can't even. It's just, oh. <laughs> just watching like just Belial kind of like scoot along the floor, and then and then it's great too because in stop motion you watch him like pick up a chair and then oh cut to the wall where the chair <laughs> smashes against it it's just it's so fun the way that it's put Some together grip just throws it across the the set yeah i'm pretty sure they mm-hmm. did about uh, uh maybe a 15th of the recommended frames for uh, your standard stop motion animation i'd say so i'd say so but really, I mean, this is this movie's a triumph. Uh, you know, David Lynch and Elephant Man, they walk so that uh, Belial Basket Case could run. Uh, it's it's one of the rare, like, it's, it's disgusting in the sense that, like, every single set on this movie looks like it will just give you a horrible disease or a rash that you will never cure. Um, it's, it's gory and over-the-top in its violence. And mm-hmm. the acting is... Super amateurish, but in that fun, over-the-top kind of soap opera-esque way. And it just hits all the right beats. And Frank Henelotter, God bless him, he's a genius. Because he took everything that would have been a disadvantage to most filmmakers and kind of flips it around and makes it why Basket Case is so special. It's pretty much a perfect low-budget exploitation movie as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I think it's it. It's probably my favorite of that New York grindhouse scene. Like I, I love this movie to death, and I, I think Henenlotter is one of the most overlooked figures in American film history. Honestly, with his importance in preserving a grindhouse cinema, and he, he's just been instrumental to that that entire scene. And 
He's he's a really important and interesting filmmaker, and I think Basket Case came to kind of define his career in the best and worst ways because he he seemingly kept every time he'd come out with another project, he'd be right back to the Basket Case sequel factory, and and that didn't do him any favors. This movie is a wonderful standalone thing that has mm-hmm. a couple of really fucking stupid sequels <laughs> that I think Jack Eason inexplicably defends. <laughs> Typical, typical. You know this movie's good because it's been preserved by MoMA of all people. Mm-hmm. So it's this is yeah. yeah, this is high caliber stuff. Um, right. I wouldn't say it's my f- it's it's a close second for my favorite uh, Hen and Lauders. I think uh, Frankenhooker is uh, the king in that regard. But yeah, um, it's another good yeah, one. Yeah, this is really really terrific stuff and uh, i had a wonderful time watching it all over again it's a tight 90 minutes uh it's just belial is a i love that crazy bastard he's a wonderful creation um it's very funny uh head and lauder's got a great like him and you know we mentioned De palma's got a great sense of humor and head and lauder's films are really funny as well um yeah uh but Bast case is just a blast yeah. yeah, it's a good it's a good thing that you know we were coming off the Herschel Gordon Lewis uh, featuring and and Hannah Lauder is obviously a tremendous fan of his and you know partially responsible for the preservation wad of his work with something weird at the time but um yeah mm-hmm. it's it, this definitely has the spirit of that even though it's honestly probably Hannah Lauder's most straightforward horror film but it's just got so much camp running through it that it's hard to ignore you know it doesn't read like a straight horror film even if that was the intent mm. and if it was the intent then hen and Lauder was at least smart enough to pivot in the direction that it was his style obviously fit but there are things in this movie that are not just a, a big fucking goof too like the talk about your strange uh ending choices like this thing also <laughs> much like sister's it goes in a direction very suddenly, and it's just this bizarre sequence where Dwayne is just dreaming of Belial's actions as he runs through the city, depicted by a, a Dwayne's nude body, even though he's actually asleep. And uh, yeah, we see man, his penis like just, three times. It's pretty cool. It's just a very, <laughs> very bizarre sequence, uh, <laughs> wherein it 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 goes from kind of this goofy thing to this very very strange thing where all of a sudden belial's like murders uh Dwayne's lover and is like humping her corpse and then they like fucking kill each other in mm-hmm. a really bittersweet ending but it's also um again this movie has two sequels for no reason so uh a little undercut but <laughs> uh, yeah i've never seen those for that reason I would yeah. go ahead and not. They're really fucking dumb, and and the makeup effects are really like much much less charming. I would say it's like they try to yeah. do a, a whole uh, freaks thing, and it mm. it just doesn't work. <laughs> no, most of the, most of the side characters they look like I don't know. Like if you made like a Mac tonight out of wax, and then just kind of melted them a little bit. That's, that's that's pretty much all <laughs> there is to it. And then the third one is the one where it's like it's like Belial. He like he bangs a chick and then has little Belial babies, right? Is that am I, that's yeah, the third one. yeah, and he has like a robo body or something. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then I start getting confused because then Full Moon came out with that movie like in between Basket Case two and three called Head of the Family, which is oh, about a, a little like Belial guy and a little robot body, and it's the same as Basket Case two and three. There's a lot of confusion that happens in my brain around this period. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know, but don't bother with the sequels. Really, it also I, like totally abandons to uh, Dwayne as a character too. Like the the sequels are very much Belial movies, you know, and yeah, that's the opposite of what this is. This is a, a totally Dwayne, uh, Kevin Van Hentenrick. That's the actor. He's uh, who still has amazing mm-hmm. hair. He looks great. I mean, he, he's a very he's got a look about him, that's for sure. But he's he's in the sequels, but he's he's given nothing like they they obviously were just like, mm. we're making these people love Belial, <laughs> which yeah. is which is weird. Like Belial as a mascot is just like, I, I don't know, it doesn't really work. And it, it kind of undercuts the whole first movie, which, you know, we, we didn't really get into the finer points of the of the plot. But essentially, 
um, Belial and, and Dwayne are, they're born as uh, conjoined twins, but Belial is, you know, small and fucked up. And then when they get separated, uh, they, I don't know, they, they go on this like killing rampage to get back at the people who, who hurt Belial and separated them and this, that, and the other thing. So, um, you know, they, they kill their dad. They're killing their, these doctors. They're just going through a list of all these different people. Um, it's kind of it a, really, it's kind of a more dark, uh, sorry to interrupt for a second, but it's oh, kind no, of like a fine. dark, a dark mesh of twins and sisters because twins it really is, <laughs> is them trying to track down all the, the doctors and the men responsible for their birth and sisters deals with, uh, the two sisters who were born conjoined and we mm-hmm. even get like the same kind of makeup scarring effect in this and in sisters where it's like ev- evidence that somebody was you know separated from another person um mm-hmm. and then, but this is just the dark version of those two movies where yeah they're instead of hunting the doctors to understand their past they're just hunting the doctors for belial to kill them it's, it's uh, Bel- yeah yeah that's it the very existence uh, of yeah. belial is like a fucking the best thing ever like who the fuck named belial <laughs> <laughs> Like they're just like, oh, we're going to call this unfortunate uh, malformation. Uh, we're going to name him a demon. <laughs> and it, it seemed like well, the family hated his ass so much that they would never have given him a name anyway. They're just like, oh, it's a tumor. But uh, somebody took the time. Was it the aunt who loved them both was still named him after a demon? <laughs> I'm not entirely clear. I don't know. And maybe it was a mistake. This is This is some real shit I'm about to tell you right now. So... Someone that uh, I'm, I'm not going to say their name on, on the air as we blast this out to God knows who, but Myros, someone that we know from college, uh, they they had a baby recently, and um, what what is the baby like? The baby's name was um, Gabriel. Okay, and uh-huh. then to stay hmm. with the baby theme, they went with. A, an angel name for the middle name. Now, I'll put you into scenario. Let's say you are uh, you're looking for an angel name for the middle name of your child to go with Gabriel because you just you like that. That's what you want to do. And so you Google angel names, and then you get an alphabetical list of of names of angels. What horrible mistake do you think you could make, Myros? I can't. Would would someone really? Choose Lucifer, ignorant of the uh, the context. No, not not quite that. Not, not quite okay. that bad. But uh, we're we're starting with the letter A, which is literally probably the first angel name that popped up. And she said, "Wow, that's so interesting. No one has a baby named that." She gave her kid the middle name Abaddon, oh, literally the high. angel of death. <laughs> <laughs> so not only does it have bad context, like, it also sounds too much like Abaddon. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel Abaddon? Abaddon. <laughs> you named your fucking baby Abaddon? God. The fuck is wrong with people? And then after you read that, you're just like, angel name, good enough. They're all fine. <laughs> you didn't bother to go. And I don't know. Like, does she know at this point? Has someone told her? Has she gotten around to Googling it? Is this kid like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Is he going to Google his own name and be like, fuck? How? I just, I don't understand. <laughs> this can't a- end well for anyone, right? Like, someone's going to find out and be like, ah, shit. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, basket case. Uh, I, I don't want to undercut. This movie is is like campy and silly, but like you guys said, like there's there's some genuine shit in here. And it is a shame that, that Dwayne gets thrown under the bus pretty much. <laughs> in the two sequels because so much of the original basket case kind of hinges on this symbiotic and parasitic relationship and how they go back and forth between those two things. You know, they need each Mm -hmm. other, but clearly like Belial is, is manipulating him in ways and holding him back from things. And I, I think a lot of that taps into why culturally and in cinema as well, like people get obsessed with conjoined twins Mm-hmm. Um, because on one hand you have like this, this thing, this attachment that prevents loneliness and it's like, oh, you, you're always going to have someone there for you. But, and then the, the flip side of that is, yeah, but you always have someone there. 
And so you have this inseparable attachment. And Basket Case, in a really smart, genuine way, like wrestles with this and yet somehow still has goofy claymation sequences where a, <laughs> you know, little guy scoots around on the floor and breaks a chair. Like, it, it's amazing how it just kind of is able to balance those two things at once. Yeah, or like multiple scenes of Dwayne just like chucking hot dogs and hamburgs into the... <laughs> Yeah, Belial's basket. <laughs> yeah. So good. We, we don't even see Belial for like I think probably right around the thirty minute mark is when he's first unleashed. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and there's that cold open, but we yeah we always kept in the basket or in the shadows, and then yeah once he's once in he's that awakened. Doctor's office is when we first see. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that just this movie. <laughs> he's like hanging is, on the wall. This movie is spectacular. New York grime like that doctor's office is just the most filthy disgusting fucking thing you'll ever see it's special this movie captures a a time and a spirit that you it's very important to film and you you don't see many more applicable uh, uses of this of this style like it is quintessential 70s New York it's it's great stuff I would absolutely recommend it well, it's no. 80s, but you know, it's 70s New York. Yeah. It's just 1982. Mm-hmm. Before no, New York got shit. cleansed. Yeah, for fucking Rudy. Goddamn Rudy Giuliani. Well, Sorry, he's, maybe he's got he'll COVID now. Just suffer and right die out, from so. COVID, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Although I'm going to I'm going to miss the guy like the uh the the melting uh like just for men hair stuff. That was pretty cool. Uh, I like when he brought that drunk lady into a like a court deposition. Also very cool. And then I think the last thing he did before he came down with COVID and went to the hospital was he ripped a huge ass fart on C-SPAN during a, a court hearing. So, um, yeah, Rudy sucks that you completely wrecked Times Square in New York. But on the other hand, uh, you've provided me endless entertainment. So God bless you, sir. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, die of COVID. Maros. Yeah. What are you putting over this week? Uh, I'm going to put over... Uh, I got something to put over, but I'd also say on the way out, uh, if you're curious, and you should be, Frank Henenlotter's other films of that era, uh, Brain Damage and Frankenhooker, are also well worth seeking out. They're both uh, very fantastic films. Uh, again, a lot of people just... He's a forgotten director of the 80s. He's one of the... Uh, He's one of the more fun horror directors of that era. And uh, high camp, enjoy it, seek it out. But I'm going to put over uh, this guy, Tim Rogers. Uh, I was talking about long-form criticism a little while back um, with another guy I really like. Uh, what his name is off the top of my head, I don't know. But you could find it in a previous episode. Uh, Noah Caldwell-Gervais, that was his name. But Tim Rogers is... Uh, more prominent critic who uh, worked for Kotaku for a long time, but he's kind of doing his own thing now. And uh, his own thing is a lot more interesting than what he was doing for Kotaku. He's got this series of action button reviews and uh, he just did one recently on Pac-Man and one previously on Doom. And these are like three and a half hour long reviews uh, of games that seemingly would not warrant it. And they're just kind of stories that encompass eras of his life and eras of America, honestly. And they're really excellent and well worth a couple hours investment if you have any sort of interest in, in that type of discourse. All right. Jake, what are you putting over this week? Yeah, so um, we mentioned uh, briefly uh, when we were discussing the comedies of uh, Ivan Reitman uh, that he had leading man Bill Murray in some of his films, of course. And uh, I actually watched uh, this film a couple weeks ago uh, for, for the first time. Uh, not too many people seem to really uh, know or talk about it. Um, but I'm going to put over a movie called Quick Change, uh, which I believe was released uh, 30 years ago. Uh, have either of you guys seen Quick Change? I have not. Yeah, that's like no. one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. Yeah, it's oh, it's excellent. Uh, the first 20 minutes is uh, Bill Murray in a clown, uh, full clown makeup, clown costume, robbing a bank. Uh, and it's like a genuinely funny movie. Um, and it's also like maybe one of the best Bill Murray comedy, uh, performances. He's, uh, he's aided by, uh, Gina Davis and, uh, Randy Quaid, uh, pre nut job, Randy Quaid. 
and uh it's basically this whole uh, like chase between this uh this veteran cop uh who's trying to hunt down the 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 clown that robbed the bank um but uh yeah it's it's weird that like it's it's not like really talked about much but uh i i it, i highly recommend it um yeah quick change it's great check it out cool uh this week you know i i was thinking I was going to put over the new Blumhouse movie, which is uh, it's available on demand. Or if you're a psycho, I guess you go see in a theater or whatever. Uh, Freaky new Blumhouse flick. It's it's fine. It's good. It's it's kind of like twins where you're like, okay, so they had a concept and they just had to build a movie around it. And uh, in this case, it is your Freaky Friday setup and a teen girl gets swapped with a kind of Jason Voorhees figure uh, played by Vince Vaughn. So, uh, you know, if you've ever wanted to see Vince Vaughn kiss a teenage boy on the mouth, uh, this is a movie that delivers that for you. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's gorier than I expected. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. There's some good laughs in it. I don't think it's top-tier Blumhouse by a long shot, but, you know, after we watched their, uh, their short films that they did for Amazon Prime this year, they weren't even short films. They're full-length yeah, films. I fucking they wish did, they were short series. I know, me too. I was just thinking that. Well, they are <laughs> short if you watch them at one and a half times speed, which I'd highly <laughs> recommend. Only way to watch cinema, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a nice return to form. It's stupid as fuck. It's, it's right up there with, like, Fantasy Island. Um, or I guess you could say it's a slightly less successful version of Happy Death Day in that same vein so yeah good way to kill 90 minutes but i don't want to do a lukewarm put over because that's not what i'm about here so i'm gonna put over the the new god of online criticism and a lot of you're thinking why well, is, is cuff gonna talk about neglia again is he is oh steve's always going on about neglia oh the next best picture no 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 neglia's old hat we have a new king let me tell you let me tell you about your new god that you will bow down to uh cinema therapy holy shit <laughs> this is just uh yeah i don't know if, if you really like to torture yourself and you want to experience the worst shit on the internet um this is incredible stuff so it's it's like the the kind of clickbaity titles where uh they're like so and so reacts to such and such but it's filtered through I guess like a therapist's point of view. So get ready for videos like family therapist reacts to co-parenting in Ant-Man. Therapist reacts to extreme isolation in The Martian. Relationship therapist cringes at dating in Twilight. Is Kristoff the perfect man? Relationship therapist talks Frozen too. This is the kind of stuff that we need right now in our film criticism. Uh, so yeah, Jake, this is probably your favorite thing on the internet right now, I'd assume. Yeah, I gotta go, uh, binge watch the whole series again, uh, after, uh, we're done recording here. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, it's like, should I watch another cinema therapy or should I throw myself in front of a moving car? And, uh, well, yeah, the choice is clear. So yeah, I don't know if, if you want to see the worst shit on the internet, go fucking watch that. It's, it's painful and things like this shouldn't exist, but, uh, here we are and they do. So with that, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. Uh, there's a couple of links in the description of the podcast. So if you look at the description, you will see a link to our iTunes page. Please click that. Go to our iTunes page. Give us a five-star rating and a written review. It helps us out a ton, a ton, a ton. It takes like two seconds to do. If you haven't done it yet, please, I'm begging you, do it. Uh, iTunes uses some cockamamie algorithm to determine who's important and who's not. And it hinges almost entirely on dumb bullshit like this, ratings and reviews. So um, help us rise to the top of the cesspool, and uh, we will be forever grateful. Uh, also, if you, if you uh, listen to us on other platforms, Spotify, whatever, make sure you follow us on there. I'm sure that helps, too. Give us five stars wherever you can. Just do the Lord's work out there. We need you right now. Also, if you are feeling particularly generous, uh, we have a Patreon and you can donate money to us, and that will allow you to gain access to the private Optimism Vaccine Patreon feed, which has all kinds of uh, articles, 
and exclusive podcast content, including, we mentioned Blumhouse, and there is a, uh, a Blumhouse series coming exclusively to our Patreon uh, subscribers very soon, so keep an eye out for that. We also mentioned that the Suburban Commando Shotgun Wedding, which is exclusively available to patrons at this point, I believe. Yep. So you can yep. go listen to that there. See see what we do for you? We tie it all together, baby. That's how we do it. Uh, but yeah, all that shit's there. It, it's like $3. Just give us like $3 if you have it. That would be great. Or you can give us $5 and you get even more stuff. Or if you're feeling super special, you can give us like 20 bucks and you get all kinds of things. Hey, Steve. You get to that higher if level. If you donate yeah. $5, one of the things you're granted is, is to be mentioned weekly on the podcast. Uh, yeah. You, which you which two patrons of ours might fit that criteria? Uh, I'm 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 glad you said that. So you you could be a Dustin, okay? Or you could be a Paula, and you could be a super fan, all right? You could be a Sophie even, and give us that money. Redact Sophie. She does not pay us enough to get mentioned weekly at the podcast. Oh, sorry, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, love you, girl, but not that much. Redacted. Uh, yeah. So you you can be uh, basically famous on the internet, just forever in history, right here. Or say your names. Imagine that. Uh, but yeah, and if if you uh, if you get into the highest tier, uh, that gives you an opportunity to to kind of uh, dictate what kind of content we do. I think uh, you get to suggest an episode, we'll do it. So a lot of lot of options out there for you. But really, three bucks, five bucks, whatever you got, throw it our way. It helps a ton. This shit's expensive, man. Like hosting a podcast costs a lot of money. Equipment is more expensive than it should be. I mean, God, you think we sound like shit now imagine how we'd sound if we didn't have respectable microphones even worse if you could possibly conceive of that uh so yeah throw some money please it'd be super helpful uh other than that yeah if you want to give us any death threats marriage proposals questions comments you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine and we would love to hear from from you maybe possibly and with that jake uh last word's yours buddy the pavement was his enemy <laughs> that's a good line Come, I'm gonna keep ruining your outro until you add those names to your fucking script <laughs> take out the papers and the trash I can't hear you or you don't get no spending cash what'd you say if you don't slap the kitchen floor you ain't gonna rock and roll no more yakety yakety